It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Here's Donald. Carry it out. Deep ball. Separation. Caught. Robbie Anderson. Goodbye. Touchdown, Jets. The whole NFL is watching. A fourth and ten. And here they come. Make this pass. It's intercepted by Mosley. Moving on down the top. Bell breaks a tackle. Looking downfield, fires this one, and intercepted at the 34. Jamal Adams goes down on the ground and takes it away. He'll hit immediately. He got the handoff. You know and that's <laughs> the Q-inator. Oh, my gosh. Listen, thank you. Welcome to Play Like a Jet. This is day number 17 of New York Jets training camp. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter, at Play Like a Jet one and I am joined to recap the festivities at Florham Park today by the owner, the operator, the lead reporter, the whole shebang over at JetsInsider.com. And, of course, above all of that, a very big deal, Mr. Chris Nimbley. Chris, pretty hot today, huh? Yeah, it was gross out. Uh, we didn't we didn't get the benefit of the super morning, early morning practices. So um, me and Gase are on bad terms again. I'm not <laughs> going to be, you know, kissing him on the mouth or anything anymore. Um, but yeah, it was hot out there. It was brutal. It was a really gross, humid day. So it was a struggle for us out there at at this on the sidelines today. Maybe that's why they switched things up because Adam Gase was in the air conditioned facility earlier on than normal. Usually he's taking questions and speaking to you after practice today. It was before practice. What do you have to say? Yeah, well, so he went through, he took us through a bunch of the injuries, the the big thing the the, the highlight of the uh, press conference was definitely him being asked about the throw that Darnold made to Quincy Nunwa against the Falcons the other night where he was just like yeah that was one of the best throws i've ever seen and he said it like that and we all kind of did a double take on that like wait wait from the from anybody like ever seen like and it was a great throw uh but yeah, that that might have been a little much, but it it was definitely uh, grabbed our attention there. He was asked, uh, you know, if any players have really stood out to him or surprised him, as I think is the word that was used. Um, he kind of sat there and danced. It was like, hmm, I'm not really sure. And then he was like, can I say Le'Veon Bell? And he said it in like a joking manner because like obviously that's not going to surprise anybody. Uh, but then he had ultimately settled on Trenton Cannon. Uh, he, he said that he's been really impressed with Trenton Cannon so far with his ability to catch the ball too. Uh, he, he caught a, a really nice touchdown today on a, on a wheel route. Uh, I, I believe it was from Davis Webb, that throw. Um, yeah, the, <laughs> Jamal was yelling at a defender on the field about not taking the right angle. But Jamal was on the sideline. It was like, you got to take a better angle. There was no angle he, that could have been taken there. Trenton Cannon is way too fast for that defender to catch, but it was still uh, very entertaining to see. So, yeah, Trenton Cannon got the Coach Adam Gase uh, stamp of approval today. Uh, I, obviously, I know that uh, a lot of fans are going to kind of roll their eyes at that, but I'm telling you, in practice, he, he looks really good, and he hasn't had any 
of the really that he had a fumble at one point, but it was the helmet went right on the ball a couple weeks ago. It's an understandable fumble. He hasn't really had the fumble issues that he had last year. Then as far as the injuries, still basically half, more than half of the offensive line, uh, Shell, Winters, and Assembly were still out. Um, he didn't seem too concerned with any of them. Um, I, I really think the only player that he seems to be concerned that won't be ready for week one is Brent Quale. Um, so those guys are still out. He's, you know, he didn't give us real too much of an update. He doesn't have to at this point, but Blake Cashman was also out. But I know the other day we talked about CJ Mosley not practicing. Now he's back at practice. He participated fully. Jamie Mosley, his brother, didn't. So there was a couple other injuries. But, of course, the big concern there is still when you have three-fifths of the starting offensive line out, that's obviously a concern. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. With your host, Scott Mason. Once Adam Gase was done talking, it was time to get out on the field and practice. And Sam Darnold was one of the players on the field, which makes sense because he is the starting quarterback of this team. How'd he do today, Chris? He did all right. It was a kind of sloppy practice overall. He threw some beautiful passes, though. There was a a couple uh, exchange problems with his new center. Um, There was uh, a little bit of a mix-up on a handoff to Le'Veon Bell. And then there was uh, the next play after that was just a short little dump off to Le'Veon that Le'Veon didn't look quite ready for. And he turned and the ball hit him on the shoulder. So a little bit of mix up there. And Darnold seemed to be in a little bit of mood of a mood today. He, he seemed to be snapping a little bit at some things because things weren't practice wasn't running as smoothly as he would like. But he settled down and then he started delivering some dimes later on. He hit Robbie on a couple beautiful passes. Uh, especially this one comeback route was just an absolute beautiful pass. He hit him later about 20 yards downfield over the middle with Robbie crossing, uh, just placed it perfectly with the defender trailing. Robbie just caught it and just kept on running. So he, it was sloppy at first, but he settled in and started dealing like he's been doing all summer. Le'Veon Bell, pretty good player, you'd say? Yeah, Le'Veon, this Le'Veon Bell guy, you know, I don't know if too many people know about him, if you're hit to him, but uh, yeah, he's he's pretty good. 
Uh, like I said, there was those two back-to-back plays that were a little bit of a mess, and then we were joking with each other on the sidelines. Yeah, just cut them both, get rid of them. Uh, but then, and again, I'm a, I always have to say this when we're talking about running backs in training camp. There was some hitting today, but they still never really go full out. Uh, Le'Veon did get tackled a couple times today, but it's still hard to gauge. But you just the way he runs, you know, in baseball, how they well, they say the bat, the ball just sounds different coming off his bat. Well, watching Le'Veon Bell run, it just looks different. Just watching him plant and then spring out of that plant, the explosiveness, it just looks different than everybody else. And imagine how much of a well-oiled machine Le'Veon Bell and Sam Darnold are going to be together when the snaps are good and Ryan Khalil has shaken off the rust and really gotten acclimated because today, a little bit messy, as you said. Yeah, there was a couple of them. A couple of them early settled down and and wasn't a problem throughout the practice. And obviously this isn't something that I'd be concerned or alarmed about. They're still working. This is only the second time they've ever – you know, work together in this capacity. So sometimes it takes a little bit to iron out. And while I still have my questions about <clears throat> about how effective uh, Khalil is going to be throughout the season, uh, I, I do think as the veteran that he has this played as much football as he's has played, I don't expect snapping the ball to be a problem once he gets comfortable. Especially if those snaps are held by Matt Darr, who was holding them today for the first time. Normally, it's Lachlan Edwards. Chris, does this mean that the Lachlan Edwards era in New York could be just about over? I mean, you know, it's funny because the just the idea of them. We've talked about this with the kicker. They've only had one kicker in camp this entire time, and that made no sense. And I've been poking fun at the idea that they had two kickers in because – why you need two kickers and not or two punters and not two kickers? But and I thought that Lachlan was safe, and I I mean I I I can't say that he's safe right now. Um, now this isn't the only time that uh, that Dar has handled the the you know, the holding duties so far through camp. So this isn't necessarily a sign, but the fact that he's still in camp. The fact that he's still doing this, that that's a sign that at least it's not a gimme that Lachlan's going to make the roster. When we made our uh, final 53 projections, I still went with Lachlan, but that's not, uh, that's not something that I feel particularly great about at this point, and mainly just because Dar's still here. Do you feel confident in Taylor Bertolette? Because he's still the only kicker on this roster, and he's been struggling, and he missed another kick today. But overall, it seems like he had an okay day. Yeah, he missed one one kick. It was uh, I forget if it was a forty three or forty eight yard. He he, I know he followed it up by uh, nailing a fifty three yarder. Um, I still feel pretty good about it. Uh, it's going to depend uh, a, in large part if he goes out there on Saturday night and you know and misses three kicks, then they're going to have to do something. But I just going after Dan Bailey if he gets cut. Uh, going after Matt Bryant, I just I don't see it at this point. I so maybe there's some younger kicker out there that I'm not aware of, or that I'm just not thinking of that Joe Douglas has his eye on right now. But uh, unless Bertolette goes out there and just absolutely poops himself on Saturday night, 
I have a hard time seeing them letting him go for a, a you know an older kicker like Dan Daly or Matt Bryant. Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hooping with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. With your host, Scott Mason. We talked injuries a little bit earlier, Chris. Avery Williamson, we know, is out, and he will not be back. He's done for the season. Tremaine Johnson is still banged up. So the two guys that took their place with the first team at the green and white scrimmage, Neville Hewitt for Avery Williamson, and Tavon Campbell for Tremaine Johnson, they were with the ones again today. Yeah, uh, once again, Neville Hewitt out there. And again, I think that's what you're going to see. You'll see Blake Cashman worked in there, some in coverage. But Neville Hewitt's going to go there. Um, uh, And then, yeah, Tavon Campbell was out there again with the ones uh, opposite Daryl Roberts. Daryl Roberts, who I I think this was the first time I, I actually heard his voice out on the field. He was getting loud and chippy today. That was that was interesting to see. He's a he's a pretty quiet guy. Uh, I can you can hear him in the locker room and sometimes on the sidelines. But this is the first time I ever actually heard him chirping out on the field. So that was good and fun to see. But Tavon Campbell was out there. He he looked pretty good out there. He's he's actually put together a solid camp. Um, obviously, he's the reason why Avery Williamson got hurt because he dove into his knee so that's not a that's not good that's a strike against him but he's actually looked pretty good these last couple of weeks so uh there's that Neville Hewitt may not necessarily be a guy that chirps a lot but Jamal Adams is and I would imagine that he was chirping quite a bit at Trevor Simeon after he intercepted him today yeah it wasn't it, not too much as you would expect right there um but man that dude has way too much energy I don't know how 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 is it humanly possible to have as much energy as him? There was a, a two or three different times where the ball came over into the sidelines, it's bouncing around, and Jamal comes from darting from across field, running out of bounds, like give me that ball, and he's chasing it down. Like people are trying to bend down to pick it up, and he's like. I'm going to beat you beat you to it and grab it. And he grabs the ball and just starts running. And I'm just like, how is it possible to have this much energy? It, we're all hot and sweating on the sidelines. And he's just running around like nothing phases him. He's got all the energy in the world. And I don't know what could possibly stop him. I'm thinking that the only thing that could stop him is a crowd full of children asking for autographs. Because, Chris, that's what tends to stop him a lot. He loves to be the face of the team. He loves to be a man of the people. Loves to sign autographs for the fans, especially kids. His jovial personality goes well with his constant barking and lots of energy, as you pointed out. And that is why everybody loves him. Yeah, well, you know, when he stops to sign the autographs for the kids, he's... He stops physically moving, but his mouth doesn't stop moving. He's still, he's still talking, and he's cracking jokes all the time. And, uh, yeah, he was doing it in the locker room, too. And uh, it's <clears throat> he just never stops. It's I don't know. I imagine that he talks in his sleep. He probably, he like, jumps up and takes laps around 
his house or apartment and sleep. Like I, he, he just never stops. It, it, I wish I could get a little bit of it. Uh, just, just give me a little bit of that energy. I don't want all of it though. I wouldn't know what to do with all that energy. I don't know if they quite have Jamal Adams' energy, but I would think the rookie, since they're among the youngest players on the roster, would have plenty of energy, even on a hot day like this. Let's talk about those rookies, what you see from them today. Well, there was a bunch of players that were struggling out there, uh, and I mean struggling with the heat and the humidity today. Uh, they were coming over. They were getting towels, wet towels draped on them. They were coming to the sidelines looking a little gassed. Uh, and Quinnen Williams was one of those players. He was he was looking a little gassed today. Um, he was out there. He was he was looking good when he was on the field. But he would come off and he was breathing a little heavy. Um, uh, Jakai Polite uh, uh, had a really nice move on Kelvin Beecham. Beat him for a sack. No Cashman today. Um, Adoga was getting more reps with the first team. Uh, looking solid out there, and you know. Uh, I didn't see him do anything uh, getting beat really bad. So uh, it was a nice, solid day for the rookies overall. It, w- it was interesting to see Quinnen, and uh, I'm, I'm singling him out because we're talking about rookies right now, but he was far from the only one. There was a lot of vets that were struggling in gas today. It was really gross outside today, so they, they were all coping with it in different ways. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. With your host, Scott Mason. Jets had a visitor today, a wide receiver who I assume is hoping to join the Jets soon. Yeah, they brought in Dontrell Inman. Uh, he played with the Chargers. I believe it was the, the Colts last year. If they if they sign him, I think you can look at Tim White and say, okay, you better show out in the preseason if you want to make this roster. Um and they need depth at that receiver position. I've been talking about this for weeks now. Uh, you got the top three. We know what those top three are. They have injury histories, though. And after that, it's just a whole lot of unproven guys. Tim White's had a really strong training camp. Deontay Burnett has as well. We saw him uh, obviously have a pretty decent uh, end to the season last year. He has the previous connection with Sam Darnold. But they need depth at the receiver position. And Dontrell Edmond as a fourth receiver would be a pretty nice get for this team. You need other receivers you can trust besides those top three guys. And even though as, as much as I like Deontay Burnett, I don't even know that uh, you know he, he's somebody that I would feel comfortable being the fourth receiver on the depth chart right now. So they're going to keep other guys. They're going to keep Greg Dortch for the punt returning ability. They're going to keep Josh Bellamy because of special teams. But still, they're not somebody you want in the top five of your wide receiver rotation. Dontrell Inman is. So go ahead and finish that deal, snatch him up, and that'll help this offense out a lot. Any sense of the Jets' level of interest? Was this just a look-see, or do you expect them to make an offer? Uh, you know, I, I would expect them to make an offer just because of need at this point. 
Um, but there's, I haven't talked to anybody about it yet. Um, you know, it was, we were busy at practice and went into the locker room and came back. So I haven't had a chance to really try to see the update is I was also kind of, when I saw the news, uh, I was kind of like, all right, well, this will probably get done soon because it just makes way too much sense. Um, so I, I would, I'd think that it would, it would get done. Uh, but we'll see. We'll have to wait and see on that. Like I said, I haven't talked to anybody. I don't have any, uh, you know, new, like under news or anything there. But it, they need, they need a player like him. He's available and he was in. It makes too much sense for them not to pull the trigger. They may land him, but they definitely landed Derek Kindred. The safety was claimed off of waivers after being released by the Indianapolis Colts. I have some intel on Derek Kindred from our friend Jeff Lloyd, the host of Locked on Browns. Essentially, Kindred was the starting strong safety in 2017, had a pretty good season. Then he hurt his wrist. 2018 struggled a bit. And then he was released in the 2019 offseason. Ended up signing with the Colts, and then the Colts released him. From what Jeff told me, Kindred is a strong hitter, and he's a good box safety, but not great in coverage. Good special teamer, and someone that Greg Williams always liked a lot and knows what to do with. So Jeff thinks it's a really good move. He actually wanted the Browns to get Derek Kindred back. Chris, I think it's hard to deny that this was a smart move by the Jets. Talking about a guy who played well under Greg Williams. He's still relatively young. He has starting experience. The Jets are very thin at safety. This is the type of move I think Joe Douglas was talking about when he mentioned the benefit of being so high on the waiver order. Yeah, obviously, when you're that high on the waiver wire and uh, you got a coach on your staff who sees a player that he's had in the past and likes that, that's the benefit of it because you get to go out and snatch that guy up. Obviously, Greg Williams thinks highly of him to bring him in at this point. Um, obviously, <laughs> we got Marcus May back at practice now. We know we've talked about how they feel about Rontez Miles and everything there. But still, you can't be content and uh, with Marcus May's uh, his injury history. And then we haven't seen a lot. Uh, this coaching staff doesn't seem to think as highly of Doug Middleton as the last coaching staff. He hasn't had the, the same type of training camp he had years before. Also hasn't gotten the reps for that. Brandon Bryant hasn't really done too much. So bringing in uh, Kindred, who Williams, again, has the relationship, makes all the sense in the world. One of the, the things here, though, just the cold nature of the, the NFL. We were in the locker room earlier today, and uh, Mont- Montrell Meander is, is the guy who got released to bring in uh, – for Derek Kindred to come in. And uh, he was just sitting in the locker room just, you know, a couple hours ago, just chopping up, joking around with his fellow cornerback teammates. And I, I get in my car, drive home, and I see, oh, Montreal Meanders cut and for Derek Kindred. So, yeah, this NFL business is gold. He was just in there in the locker room living it up, cracking jokes, having fun, enjoying uh, life as an NFL player, and now he's going to hit the waiver wire hoping somebody will scoop him up. Speaking of this being a cold business, the business of football, do you think this means that Doug Middleton may not make the 53-man? Yeah, I do. Um you know, I I pers- personally like Doug. He, he's I've I've liked a lot of what I've seen him over the last couple of years. Uh, obviously, every time he would get hurt, 
and that that would derail him. And it's but it's just you can tell by the the way the limited reps he's gotten uh, with the first and even the second teams. He's in the third team a lot with with these these groupings. And it just doesn't seem like this coaching staff is as high on him as I as I think he has the potential to be. And as uh, Bowles kept trotting him out there, uh, giving him chance after he kept getting hurt, it seemed like that his time is done done here. And my guess would be that he probably isn't going to make that final fifty three, especially with Kindred coming in now. Play like a jet. Play like a jet with your host Scott Mason. Chris, I saw this and I saw that you responded to it. And I had the same reaction, so I had to bring this up from training camp. Apparently, the Jets were playing the Ice Cream Paint Truck song today, which Connor Hughes of The Athletic, bless his heart, referred to as a throwback. That song is 10 years old. Please tell me that Connor understands that 10 years is not enough to be a throwback. Yeah, I I, I cannot say that. Well, I'll, I'll find out that for you tomorrow when I going in, uh, to practice and bust his chops a little bit more about it. They played the song at practice. I had never heard this song before. I don't know what it is. Uh, and it's the first time I've ever seen him react like that to a song as it's being played. The, it just came on, and he starts rapping along with it right away. And I was like, huh? I've never seen him react like that to a song. Um, so that was interesting to see. But uh, – and he was he was like, and I came back home and I saw that tweet. So I I had to give him a little bit of grief. Just be like, I know you're young, Connor, but like that like they were playing songs from the Locks, uh, We Are the Streets album, which was released in 2000, when you know Connor was probably in middle school or uh, you know maybe kindergarten. I don't know. He, he's <laughs> he's a young buck. So uh, they were playing that today. That's much closer to a throwback. That's almost 20 years old. Um, they, they play run DMC at, at, at practice. Like Connor wasn't alive then that's a throwback. So I'm going to have to bust his chops about this a little bit tomorrow. Uh, but you know, as, as we like to say, we, we all like to joke uh, on Connor a bit. He, he takes it in, uh, in stride and it, it, it's a lot of fun poking fun at him. It is not a throwback. If the song came out when Mark Sanchez was on the jets, it's a pretty good rule of thumb. Yeah, and if if I was am still employed doing this same job, it can't be a throwback because yeah, that was I mean I know ten years, but I I was on the Jets beat and that and that has to, has to be pre me covering the Jets for it to be a throwback at the at the very least that we have to do that. Last order of business, Chris. There was an email sent to Joe Caparoso because this gentleman whose name is Alan, and Alan, thank you for sending this in, said he's not on Twitter, so he couldn't get to us through Twitter, but he wanted to get a message to us. And this involved our discussion about Joe, who is coming in to visit from Montana and wanted to know where to go while he's in New York. And I suggested that the best pizza is all in New York. You said no. I accuse you of being a science denier. You said I'm ridiculous and New Jersey definitely has better pizza because the water is the same. Well, this gentleman wrote in to say, wow, just well, the very big deal is very big time wrong. And he gave up the ghost when he said it's the water that makes New York City and northern New Jersey pizza so great because the water is the same. That's a very big mistake. 
New York City drinking water comes from upstate reservoirs in the Catskills. He posted a link showing that this is the case. He said New Jersey drinking water comes from New Jersey aquifers, which he also posted a link about. He said that's about 40% of it. The rest is from New Jersey surface water, 60%. Another link there. He said... Yes, the water is critical, but no, they are not the same in New Jersey and New York City. What next? Is he going to argue that New Jersey bagels are just as good as New York City? So it actually is science, as Scott said. Love the podcast. Always fun to listen. But holy cow, that was a whopper of a misstatement. So, Chris, first of all, I'm doing the Barry Horowitz thing and patting myself on the back because, as I said, it is science, as Alan confirmed. You were 100% wrong about the water. So regardless of what we can get into the debate about New York versus New Jersey pizza, will you at least admit that you were wrong, that the water is not the same in New York and New Jersey, and you were kind of pulling one out of your butt there? No, no, I won't. uh, uh, Yes, they come from two different places. Okay, that's that's all I was asking. We can get back into the discussion about who's got better pizza. But will you admit that you were wrong about the water? No. Because that's not what I was getting at. The I my entire life, mm-hmm. I don't know the reasons for why the water is what it is. But I've been told my entire life that the reason why New York and New Jersey's pizza and bagels are better is because of the water. Now I didn't say that they came from the exact same source. Just that that that's the reason why New York and New Jersey's are are better than the rest of the country because of the water. I don't know the details and the scientific explanations about the pH levels and why. Okay, and but Chris, know. this isn't what you said. You said the water was the same. No, I said that. No, that's literally what you said. I'll go find the clip and I'll play it back. You said the I water was the same. But it's because of the water. Chris, take the L. Just admit it. The water's not, not the same. The, I'm not taking the L. If, if I said <laughs> that, it, as it's just because of the water. I knew they come from different places. But that's I, not what you said. You said the water was wait, the same. I misspoke, but it's still the water. It's still the water that does it. That's. That's the important part. Also, I never said that New Jersey better than New York City. I just said you can find just as good in New Jersey as you can in the city, and you can find crappy pizza in the city, Mm -hmm. and you can find crappy pizza in New Jersey. Sure. But, but the good pizza in New Jersey is every bit as good as the good pizza in New York. Same with the bagels. They're just as good. And I and the reason why is because of the water. Okay, first of all, that's all cool, but that's not what you said. You said the water was the same. You can say now that you misspoke, but that is what you said. So it's fine if you didn't mean to say that, but that is what you said. And so Alan pulled out the science on that one, and it's clearly incorrect. Now, as far as what you said about New York and New Jersey, here's the deal. Yes, you can get... Weak pizza in New York, and when I say weak pizza, I mean by New York standards, because it's still going to be better than everywhere else in the country. New York and New Jersey are both superior. New York superior to New Jersey, and I would say that New Haven is right in there on that next tier with New Jersey, but obviously everything beyond that is very subpar, and if you travel around the country, you'll see that very quickly. But here's the thing. You can't judge New York City by just Manhattan, and you also can't judge it based on like the dollar pizza. You have to judge it based on the cream of the crop. 
And a lot of the best pizza places, in fact, as far as I'm concerned, most of them outside of Little Italy are in Brooklyn, are in Queens, and are in Long Island. That's where most of my favorite pizza places are. So I feel like you're using the weakest pizza places in Manhattan to compare to the best pizza places in New Jersey. And if you're doing that, then yeah, you can make a case. I'm absolutely not doing that because I'll tell you the best pizza in New York City is in Brooklyn. That's the best, okay. the best pizza I've had in New York City. That's fair. Uh, part of part of the problem with some a lot of New York City pizza, especially Manhattan pizza, is they go with these giant slices that are just like it's with the the breading is way too thin and it's just uh, impossible to eat. Um, but I, I'm the Brooklyn has uh, the, the best pizza that I've had in New York City. This that's that's not I'm not questioning that at all. I'm telling you, you can get just as good pizza in New Jersey. You know, you're gonna find places that are not. But the best pizza places that I have are in New Jersey. Th- those are the places I go to. They're just as good as the places in Brooklyn. And uh, the same with the bagels. They're just as good. I got two bagel places within three miles of me that I go to that I will put up against any bagel in New York City. Once again, Chris nimbly denying science. But I will say this. We're going to have to take this to the next level, Chris. We're going to have to start picking pizza places for the two of us to try. You're going to have to recommend some in Jersey, and I'll have to recommend some in New York. The problem is going to be it's a lot easier for me to get to these pizza places in New Jersey than it's going to be for you because you'll have to cross the bridge and go into New York and go to places like Spumoni Gardens or my favorite place growing up, Ramos, or even Totino's, which is the first pizza place in New York and has incredible brick oven pizza, even though I'm not even that big of a brick oven guy, or one of my favorites, Danny's and Kew Gardens with their pesto slices. So we're going to have to start doing this on a regular basis where we're going to drop this in here and there we'll have some recommendations and then you'll have to try some of the ones in new york i'll have to try some of the ones in new jersey and we'll have to report back so we can start to settle this once and for all because i will say this much you are certainly very adamant and while i 100 disagree with you you are a very big deal so if you're this adamant about something i'm willing to put it to the test well i always like to joke around with this i always uh, with my friends, uh, I, I'm always, you know, I, I'm never wrong. I'm, I'm always right when I argue. And uh, oh, come on, you know. And of course, I, I'm wrong all the time. But if I'm going to argue something vehemently, I'm right. I'm not going to get into an argument about something uh, and like vehemently to, uh, argue a point unless I know I'm right. So if I'm arguing something for like, you know, I can be wrong in a debate about what I think might happen with the Jets or whatever. That stuff I get wrong all the time. But if I know if I know I have the answer to something, I know I'm right. That's the only time you're going to get me to argue. And I'm, I'm telling you, this this new New Jersey pizza is every bit as good as any pizza you're going to find in New York City. Same with the bagels. You only argue when you know you're 100% right, except when it involves water that's used to make pizza. Then you'll argue when you're actually wrong. But that's okay, Chris. It's fine. We get it. You said you misspoke. So I will take you at your word that you meant to say something else. But just for the record, the water is different. Now, you can say that the water in Jersey is just as good as the water in New York or whatever the argument is. And you can also say that you misspoke. But... The fact of the matter is, as Alan pointed out, the water is different. So I think this is something that both you and I need to delve into over the coming weeks and months. Like I said, every now and then, 
you'll recommend a spot for me in Jersey. I'll recommend a spot for you in New York, and we'll report back. And we'll have to get the listeners in on this as well. We'll have them try some of these places that we recommend, and then they can get back to us what they think in New Jersey and in New York. It'll be fun. Listen, when you're talking about going out and eating pizza, as I always say, even the worst pizza is still better than most foods. So it's a win-win situation for everybody. There are no losers in this. Absolutely. And yeah, like you like you were saying before too, like you know, I've had I've had some by New York, New Jersey standards, I've had some bad slices of pizza in New York, New Jersey. Um, but like, you know, take that pizza and compare it to pizza in Iowa, and that's gonna be the best pizza those people in Iowa ever had. So there's a there's a lot of gap there, but the the top of the top is is just as good. So and, and yeah, it, it's really hard to go wrong with pizza. So uh, it, you know, it pizza's pizza's great no matter what. There was a movie called Threesome with Stephen Baldwin, Josh Charles, and Lara Flynn Boyle many years ago. And by many, I actually do mean like 25 years ago. Connor, if you're listening to this. <laughs> so the movie had a great line in it. And it's one of the few things I remember from it because it wasn't that great of a movie. The premise is basically a gay guy, a straight guy, and a straight woman are all roommates the straight woman has the hots for the gay guy. The gay guy has the hots for the straight guy. And the straight guy has the hots for the girl. So it's kind of an intertwining of everything in a big love triangle. But there's a line in there. I think it was Stephen Baldwin's character says, pizza's like sex. Even when it's bad, it's still pretty good. And that's how I feel about it, especially when we're talking about New York and New Jersey pizza. Yeah, you can't really argue with that there. That's, that's some sound logic right there. Sound logic indeed. The same sound logic that would get you to play fantasy football over on the Draft app at Draft.com, you can compete for the $3.5 million grand prize in the Best Ball Championship, and you can do it for free. I'm going to tell you how in just a second, but let me tell you a little bit about how this works over at Draft.com in the Draft app. It's an easy snake draft. No salary caps, no auctions, nothing complicated, and you don't even have to spend a lot of time managing your roster. You just make your picks and then they will take care of roster management the rest of the way. They will make sure that your best players are in every single week. And here is how you can get into that best ball championship for free with your first deposit over at the draft app at draft.com. You use the promo code PLAYLIKE, that's PLAYLIKE, P-L-A-Y-L-I-K-E, after you make your first deposit over at the draft app and draft.com, and you will be entered for a free shot at that $3.5 million best ball championship, an easy fantasy league that's fun, and a free crack at $3.5 million. As you said, Chris, sound logic would bring you to the conclusion that it makes sense to play over at the draft app and draft.com. And with that sound logic, we will bring this podcast to a close. Chris, thank you so much for reviewing day number 17 of training camp with me and, of course, continuing our series of debates on the difference between New York and New Jersey pizza. We will do more of this tomorrow. Well, we will do more of reviewing training camp, probably not more of the pizza thing. That's going to be for a little bit down the line. In the meantime, though, I know you've got your three takeaways up at your website, JetsInsider.com, so why don't you go ahead and let people know what they're in store for and what else you've got up there. Yeah, I got uh, the uh, three observations up now. We'll obviously have more of those coming in the next couple of days, uh, tomorrow and then Thursday, and then that will be the official close of training camp. So that'll be it for the three observations. We'll go back to just uh, 
getting to watch them stretch for 20 minutes of practice and then be shunned back off to the media areas and not able to watch practice. So the three observations will be gone after Thursday. But after that, I will be putting up an article, you know, with the biggest, my biggest pleasant surprises at camp, my most, uh, you know, disappointments, the things that surprised me on the opposite end. You know, we, like we talked about with Doug Milton. So I'll have a bunch of stuff like that coming up. And then, uh, like I said, we're going to, we'll be looking into some more of this team. But I saw somebody tweet out earlier, a national reporter. I forget who it was. My brain's, uh, you know, uh, running out of gas here, but talking about how the Jets will probably be the busiest, busiest team on the waiver wire trying to turn over the bottom of this roster because as much as they do have good firepower at the top, that the bottom of this thrust has been hurting because of McCagnin. So um, I, we'll, over those next week or so, we're going to be trying to identify some guys who might shake free and who would be, make the most sense for the Jets. Should mention that as we are finishing the podcast now, Dontrell Inman has decided to sign with the Chargers, so he will not be coming to the Jets. But Chris, you were right. The Jets did make him an offer, and he strongly considered it, but decided to go to the Chargers. So while the Jets don't get Inman, what we do know is that they are certainly in the market for a wide receiver. We will see how that plays out over the next couple of weeks before the season starts. I expect them to be fairly aggressive in pursuing a veteran wide receiver once more of them hit the market after training camp cuts happen. So we'll keep our eye out on that. And of course, we will have more to talk about with this story and the pursuit of a wide receiver tomorrow. In the meantime, go ahead and check out Chris's very big deal work over at JetsInsider.com. Follow him on Twitter at CNimbly and at JetsInsider. Follow his deputy editor, Alan Schechter, at Alan underscore S-C-H. E-C-H-T-E-R, and for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and TurnOnTheJets.com.